TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to 100 Not Out, featuring your hosts, Dr. Damien Christoph and Marcus Pierce. Welcome to 100 Not Out, a weekly show dedicated to helping you master the art of aging well. Marcus Pierce here with you, and as always, it gives me great pleasure to introduce the co-founder of The Wellness Couch and The Wellness Guys. He is the king of food himself. He is Dr. Damien Christoph. Hello, oh great one. G'day, Piercy. It's so great to be here with you again. Mate. In, uh, you know, where are we? Near the end of the year. AFL Grand Final Eve. I know I'm yep. date stamping this, but, you know, That's I've got right. to get it out of my system. Yeah, last time we were recording, we were cock-a-hoop that we might be going to the Grand Final together, but neither of our teams are there, um, and yeah. that's just the way it works sometimes, the brutality of sport. I think it's short my lifespan, though. Yeah. <laughs> I might not get to 150 <laughs> anymore. Just, uh, yeah. just just speaking of this 150 business, I've, I've yes. been... Um, I'm just adding a bit of a, so as some people might know, I'm, I'm writing a book and I'm uh, putting a bit of meat on the bone demo and going back to listen to some of our great interviews on 100 Not Out. Wow. And I, I got back to listening to Dr. Wally Bortz oh, and I'm thinking, oh, we've got to get him on again. We've got to get him on again. And you know what he said? Because no. a few weeks ago, we were talking about some of the researchers out there um, and you're saying that the person, the first person to live to 150 is going, is already, uh, has already been born. Wow. Dr. Wally Bortz, gee whiz, five years ago when we interviewed him, didn't yes. he tee off on these types of uh, people, he says, you know, people out there just getting up on stages, you know, charging a lot of money, selling snake oil in the light of, uh, in the form of telling people they're going to live to 150. And yeah. He said, you know, no one's ever got close to 150. All we've got is uh, Jean Calmont at 122. Yeah. Gee whiz, I-, I think you and I were, we were pretty new at this podcast back then. We didn't uh, push him on the on the comment, but gee whiz, I'm listening to him now going, holy moly, let's get him back on to see what he really thinks um, <laughs> because um, there's some gold in the uh, early episodes in the in the archives. Uh, we had some beautiful, out. amazing interviews in the early days. Not that, not that we don't have, you know, great discussions in interviews these days, but, you know, we interviewed some absolute champions, some yep, legends so, in the So, archives. mark my words, we're getting Dr. Wally Bortz back on. Um, uh-huh. Fascinating man, but uh, you know, t- speaking about fascinating, I was uh, on a, a plane the other day, sitting next to a stranger um, who are just friends that we haven't met yet, and um, and this man uh, works for Coles, and I said, mate, how are you going? And he looks at me with a very stressed look, and and he says, oh mate, it's just this strawberry business is 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 full on, uh, and obviously mm. this all happened at Woolworths, but um, mm. yeah, he he just started explaining to me the stresses of what had happened and um, it's just taken a toll on, on so many people and, and for those people that aren't in Australia, um, I'll probably get Damo to explain what's actually happened but um, I think it's a really good opportunity for us to talk about, particularly from a longevity front, um, what this means but particularly what we can learn from it as consumers because, you know, when I hear stories like this, I just say to myself, you know, in my in my very un-headline-like little life that I live up here, thank God I go to the farmer's market every week and I know who my suppliers are and I, I know where all the food comes from and it'd be highly, highly unlikely that anything like that would happen um, in my neck of the woods or in the woods of Ikaria or Okinawa. But mm. um, it's a fascinating turn of events, isn't it? Oh, it really is. And for those people who don't know what's actually been going on, somebody's hijacked the strawberry crops in Australia um, and inserted pins or needles into some of the strawberries. And so people are getting home, biting into a, a strawberry and there's a pin or a needle. 
And, of course, that causes massive alarm. Um, and so all the strawberries that were on the shelves have been taken off the shelves. All the strawberries that were in the farms ready to be packed and well, been packed and then getting ready to be sent have all been destroyed um, because people didn't want to buy strawberries because they couldn't be served and there was no needles in it. So it meant that tons, thousands of tons, um, maybe yeah, it would be thousands of tons, of strawberries in the first crop of the season were actually just destroyed, a huge waste. Um, just because someone thought it might be entertaining to go and put needles um, into some strawberries. Um, then, you know, obviously off the back of that, that draws copycats and so people have been putting needles into, um, into apples and bananas um, in an attempt to kind of, um, you know, go along with the prank. But, um, it, you know, this wouldn't happen, I suppose, if we knew uh, where all our produce was coming from. And they don't know who's putting the needles in. They haven't been able to catch them yet. So... Um, the, the, you know the people are still out there. So you talk about I, the copycats. I, I know they found them in New Zealand. Uh, Did they? You know, they got it's just it's like you said. It just it, it goes on and on. But how do you feel about it? I mean, you are the food guy. You talk about you know the price of food and the quality of food and the, just the you you understand how uh, food manufacturing works. You can I'm sure you can. I mean, I've heard you. I don't know if there've been public or private conversations about um, what are those little bugs that can get in. Um, weevils. Weevils. Um, yep. You know, so you understand how challenging getting getting food from uh, its natural state onto a shelf can be. But how do you feel about this as someone that's been in this industry for so many years? Oh, mate, it would break my back. Like if um, if people started to find objects in in the mueslies that we manufactured, uh, we'd have to shut our doors. Um, we just couldn't cope with it. It's, it's, you know, I think of all the poor people out there that are actually trying to do the right thing, put food on the table, coals and boards make it hard enough as it is, and um, let alone that they'll, these poor farmers will cover all of the cost of that destruction of, of all of the, those strawberries. They'll have to forsake some income, and they only get income a couple of times a year when uh, the strawberry crops are going. So... I've, I've, my heart goes out to them. I think it's absolutely terrible because them a heap of stress. Um, but it does make me uh, quite upset, you know, beyond the commercial um, component of it. It makes me quite upset because people now will start to uh, be cautious of buying fresh fruit and vegetables um, just as a result of that. Yeah, not just Hopefully, strawberries. You mean just all healthy food that they might go to even poorer choices to, to avoid it. To avoid it. Wow, I hadn't even thought yeah. about that. Yeah. So there's, you know, upstream and downstream consequences of what these people have done, and um, you know, it's pretty. It's actually very, very bad. It's very bad. I'm just reading that there's even now, um, you know, governments are committing a, a million dollars to assist struggling growers cope with the crisis. Um, right. And Queensland has offered a one hundred thousand dollar reward for information leading to an arrest. I mean, there's all types of uh, uh, just ripple consequences that go down the line. But it, it, it kind of strikes to the heart of how of how we shop. I mean, part of me is the, the part of me obviously that is so sad for the growers and and just the industry at large. But then there's also the part of me that's like, well, if we if we did shop more, and again, I'm not putting any um, blankets on this. It's more just a conversation. If we did shop more local, if we had a whole, and maybe I'm just a pipe dreamer. If we had a different um, setup in society where it was easier for the consumer to buy local to know where their food was being grown, to have that a direct contact with the farmers to, uh, you know, and again, I'm not saying that I have, I even know how, how one would implement this. All I'm saying is, is that it, you, would, you would feel that, that this 
wouldn't happen if if we had a more local access to our food. Mm. Yeah, you would you would think so, wouldn't you? But I think yeah, I, I look. It probably does go back to the heart of eating so seasonally and just buying what is local. But you know, in the big city, in the big smoke where we are now, well, you're not, but I am. Um, it's quite challenging. What would you, you do? Know? Yeah, We're, in the population, what would you do? You've got four or five million people. Five like, million. How, people how would you here? actually do that? This is it. Like so, you know, in the pursuit of. Um, oh, there was this great quote once. I'm trying to I'm trying to bring it back, but basically, you know, in trying to make things um, easy to access, there's a cost associated with that, and um, and that's what we're feeling at the moment is the cost associated with trying to yeah. make food easy access, and and you know, having strawberries out of season, um, and then coming into season, um, or any fruits and vegetables going in and out of season, but we've got access to them all the time. Um, makes people kind of unaware of where these things might be coming from. Now, I think the assumption is, is that the strawberries are coming from Australian farms, um, and 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 so, you know, you'd think that we would be able to find these people, but I don't know. Can't. Yeah, and it, well, and the other thing is, I mean, as 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 you're talking about this, I'm thinking about this whole city, um, uh, you know, the city markets, and you know, having just been in. Paris recently and, and literally getting on a train to go to one of these Parisian markets and seeing how they do it. What I realize as I even just speak with you about it is that they they couldn't cope if everyone wanted to buy their food that way. Um, oh, totally. You know, the, the, the infrastructure is not there, the, the, the social um, uh, or just the, the way society is set up is that, you know, a large majority buy their food at the supermarket and a and, and then a minority buy their food at the markets. Um, and we're, you know, as a country, we're not set up for more and more people to do it that way. So then it comes back to then what you said at the beginning. I'd love to explore this is, is the challenge that people might have in trusting the food, the fresh food that they're buying in the supermarkets and not just, not just, um, fruits, but all things, whether it's vegetables, whether it's meats, whether it's any, anything that has a, a use by date, you know, within a, a couple a couple of weeks, um, what impact that could have on 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 the health of not just a community but a, a state or even a country? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So many questions about it, isn't it? Like it's uh, it's ridiculous um, how far ranging this go. And it's you just yeah. Anyway, it is a stressful thing. It is a very stressful thing for those people that are concerned um, about it and those people that are in, you know that are in it. Um, but I think we've got to be mindful too that we've still got to be eating good food. And so we've still got to be eating the food that, you know, we can get access to and making the best choices. So, yes, this is a setback, but it still doesn't mean that we can go and just have white bread and peanut butter. And and this is highlighted, you know, and you might have seen me do a little a little thing um, recently, PC, on Facebook where I spoke about this condition known as ARFID. Did you see me speak about that? Uh Maybe not. No, you know, I'm not on social very much. Apologies. That's okay. That's okay. I, uh, I watched a documentary um, where people have become so fearful of eating food, like fearful of eating good food. So we're talking a lettuce leaf or an apple or a piece of banana or whatever else, that instead of eating um, those foods, they've chosen to eat only white foods. So it might be pasta with tomato sauce or white rice but actually probably not even white rice because they'd be too healthy, um, bread um, or, you know, biscuits or fish fingers, actually not fish fingers, just the crumbs around the fish fingers, maybe potato chips or something like that. So 
They're becoming so nutrient depleted but calorie rich that they were developing um, significant nutrient deficiencies to the extent that these kids have gone blind. Wow. Um, or they've had to go into hospital or they've damaged their brain or they've damaged their heart or whatever else. And so this condition known as ARFID is now another um, eating disorder, but it stems from the fear around eating good food. And so one way in which the media might be able to help out here is actually actually by helping to console people and say, hang on a second, this was a, an incident, the police are onto it, um, all the strawberry growers now have got um, metal detectors to be able to determine if there's you know metal there. Uh, Coles and Woolworths will be doing the same thing, trying to you know uh, stamp it out and to you know protect everybody. Um, and so go back and buy strawberries, or go back and feel safe about buying an apple. Like if they could get on that and start to promote that, yes, it's okay. But again, here in Australia, we've got this media situation where they like to paint the worst picture or to incite fear in the public, and uh, and this is what they're doing. Um, we've had, let's say, I think it was five punnets of strawberries that had pins in them, maybe six punnets of strawberries that had pins in them, um, and, and all of the strawberries came off the shelf and everybody has been petrified Wouldn't you just put all the strawberries through a metal detector? Wouldn't that be wise? Wouldn't that be wise? just seems like the obvious thing to do. Yeah. If I had, yeah. A, if I had a pin in my strawberry at home, I don't think I'd throw all of my strawberries out. I think I'd just check the chop rest of the strawberries. Them. you just <laughs> chop them. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd put them in the blender, blend the pin, <laughs> blend the sewing <laughs> needle. Let it increase um, your iron needle juice. and you'd be tipped up. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Um, so this is interesting because then this Arford uh, uh, conversation yes. just brings me back to the heart of a question that came up in a talk I was giving the other night is the good old how do I get my kids to eat healthy? Mm. So I would just, just um, hazard a... Uh, blanket stereotyping uh, point here and say the parents of children with Arford are, are letting the foods pass their kids' lips. Well, it's interesting because there's a real fear and so the, the reason why it's become an eating disorder is not because the kids have become fussy, it's because they've actually literally become fearful of the food and it could be foods with colour like blue or foods with colour like yellow or foods with colour like orange or whatever it is but or any just food with colours. Um, they are fearful of it like somebody might be fearful of a snake or a spider or whatever else like they, they get into a, like a, a massive panic. And, and I think, again, this is uh, the media has the potential to incite this into some people mm, yeah. and, and trigger this. Like they, they are largely responsible for uh, the other eating disorders that we've got. You know, uh, if we look at uh, bulimia or anorexia, anorexia. Or, or, or orthorexia in yes, particular, yes. Um, the media is absolutely co culpable for this because they're the ones that have painted what is beautiful. They're the ones that have painted... Uh, what is attractive? They're the ones that have painted what is tasty. Yeah, um, it's they the define, media. they set the definition, don't they? Yeah, it's um, the, it's the media that have stuffed it for everybody and put a lot of pressure on a lot of people. And some people don't know how to cope with that pressure, and uh, and that's part of the reason why we're in our situation we're in at the moment. But it would be wise of the media, you would think, to actually go out there and assist the population in getting back into eating good fruits and vegetables by just assuring them that everything's going to be safe again. Yeah, there, there would need to be, you would think, a really a nationwide advertising campaign on TV and the rest yep. to to not allay fears, to encourage people and show them 
um, how yeah how incredible it is and, and how safe it is because yeah it is far it is it is far more wide ranging than when I talk to you about it than just not eating strawberries um, yeah because like you said people won't necessarily have the presence of mind or the common sense for a better term to go well uh, it doesn't mean that all food that is fresh uh, could have been uh, um, you know messed with and and therefore I will just go and get some pasta and uh, and uh, a jar of pasta sauce instead. Um, no, not even pasta sauce. We're talking tomato sauce. Like, <laughs> this is the thing. Like, yeah. That's one of the scary things is because it's it's literally just tomato sauce. It's not pasta sauce. So there's no vegetables in it. It's just tomatoes. Mm. Well, my shopping habits are interesting. Have you had much dialogue with, with, um, with uh, practice members at, at Vita around this? You know, you're, you've got your finger on the pulse, so to speak, of, of people that are, you know, living through um, what they see on the media day in day out. Like, what is the conversation of of mums and, and and parents and, and business workers and, and teenagers and the rest? Like, what is the mood around all of this? Well, I think it's a really fascinating thing, and again, it comes back to probably people becoming somewhat desensitised to challenges and stress and um, and maybe even. Um, you know, terror attacks because this could be seen as a terrorist attack. You know what I mean? It's, it could actually be seen as something like that. You know, it, it incites fear and anxiety into the public. Um, it's random. It's, you know, it's indiscriminate. So it's it's got all those things that, you know, would otherwise define terror. Um, but people have become a little bit desensitized to it. So there's absolutely no discussion in my practice about it. Right. Um, and no one's really too worried about it to be honest with you so i think you know maybe there's an element of sensibility there where people have gone well i'm still gonna buy strawberries i'm just gonna cut yeah. them no that's good that's good I'd, I'd much prefer i'd much prefer that response yeah you me know. too so maybe there's a bit of a controlled response to um to to that otherwise alarmist kind of headline or, or story uh and people are just maybe a little bit more sensible about it yeah, just well, going, oh, yeah you know, that's like, good that's good because i mean the news will always be you know, we talk about this a bit, you know, four million people are driving home or getting a public train home from work and one dies. No one talks about the 3.999 million, you know, uh, that got home safely. So, yes. we've spoken about, you know, five needles, 10 needles, even a hundred needles in, in, in tons of strawberries. Um, it's interesting what we focus on, isn't it? The 0.000001%. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, totally. It's kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy. But um, you obviously didn't see any, you know, needles in your farmer's market strawberries. That's what you're saying? Oh, there are a couple, but I just put them in a bin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, only joking. Everyone that supplies the strawberries down at um, at Ocean Shores at New Brighton do an incredible job. Incredible job. Uh, Damo, always a fascinating Easy. conversation with you, great man. And it's it's nice good to, to it's good to get the um, what's the word? Not finger on the pulse, but you know, see what the beat of the of the Bit food of the land is. Hey, I get to see you uh, in a few weeks at the uh, Go Vita annual conference up in Cairns. That's going to be good fun, isn't it? And absolutely, it's going to be great fun. And um, a lot of the Go Vita members up there that haven't heard you speak before because they come from all over Australia to be up there are going to be wowed by uh, what you present. And I get to have an in-real-life experience with you. Can't wait, legend, to oh, see you properly. That. Yeah, same, mate. Give you a high-five and a hug. Yeah, that'll be good in front of everybody. In front of everyone. Front of everybody. Why not? Um, it'll Why be great. Not? It'll be great. I'm looking forward to it, mate. I'm looking forward to getting out there for GoVita. Um, and then we've got the Gut Summit um, over in Perth immediately after that. You are. So you are everywhere. 
I'm nearly nearly everywhere as everywhere as you. You are everywhere at the moment doing all your seminars and presentations for your corporates. Yeah, I'm home. Uh, look, if I'm people home. people listening to this at the moment, if you didn't know that Marcus speaks and does corporate talks, get him into your workplace. Man, it's just, unbelievable. Just on the quiet. Don't splash it all over social media. Don't don't try and tell everyone. You know, it's a bit too much. Don't you find on social without just digressing too much? God, there's a lot of look at me on social these days. Yeah, it's, it's got pretty bad. It's hard. I would love, I love this whole topic for itself. What you do on social, I love. It's educational. It's there as a way to educate and inform. Mm. The look at me stuff, I just can't cop it. That's why I just, talking to our great mate Marcus Yo today, I said, mate, oh, you ever wow. on social? He said, very rarely. I said, it's yeah, just, he's not there. You know. his, his daughter is. She's always yeah. on there. It's all right. On Instagram. It's all right. Just all the other yeah. stuff, better things to do. Yeah. Um, great. For, thank you so much for the information, the education, the inspiration that you deliver. It's always a pleasure. Uh, to find out more about the great demo, thank you, legend. Find out more about the great Damien Christoph, head on over to DamienChristoph.com, myself, MarcusPierce.com.au. In the not-too-distant future, we will be revealing all about Ikaria 2019, our 10-day longevity experience back in Ikaria. We're going uh, for the wine season, the olive oil season. We'll be sharing all the details of that in the coming weeks. A big shout-out to everyone who makes this podcast possible. Joseph Tomo, our wonderful editor. Rosie Garner, who does all of our social media. Cielo, who helps us out. Everyone involved at the wellness couch thank you for what you do we would love your feedback listeners of 100 not out you can do that over at thewellnesscouch.com and remember next time you are at thewellnesscouch.com check out number one show the wellness guys and all 20 shows across the network delivering over 1.5 million downloads a year until next week thanks again for your support and continue to make the rest of your life the best of your life This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.